you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org. And now, a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Father, I bless you today. What a joy in this second gathering, Lord, of believers here at The Rock of Gainesville that we just honor you. We thank you, Father, that your son Jesus did accomplish everything at the cross that you intended. He went to the grave. He took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And on that third day, he rose. And because he rose out of that grave, Father, so do we. And we are grateful for that today. I thank you for the goodness of God in our lives. We deserved hell, and you gave us heaven. We deserved judgment, and you redeemed us and forgave us. And for that, we're really grateful today. We bless you now. Declare your word to do and accomplish everything it intends to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. We are thrilled that you're here today, our second service this morning for our Easter celebration. And I just want to say to you as uh, I get into this word this morning, I I look at life as a journey. And uh, I've been on a journey 62 years now. And uh, some of you have been on your journeys longer than I have. I honor you. And uh, some of you are just young little ones. And and, uh, your whole life you think is ahead of you. And you just have all kinds of time. But the reality of it is, is we're on a journey. The path we're on is it's flying by. And uh, there are choices that we will make along life's path that will determine our eternity. Easter, the celebration, uh, really is so much more than the cross. Because if all Jesus would have done was to die for you and I, then what difference would it have been from him and all the other proclaimed gods of the world. But he didn't just die. He went to hell. The word says that he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And on the third day, he rose. And Mary and some of the women ran to the place of that burial site, expecting fully that the tomb would be in place. They went with spices in hand. They went to literally uh, anoint his body. And when they got there, the tomb was rolled away. And when they looked in, two angels said, he is not here. Wow. That could be a really negative or a double negative, but they didn't stop there. They said, he is risen. He's not here because everything that he said, he did. So this morning, I'm going to read to us one of my favorite stories in the Word of God because it really takes us from beginning to end and tells the whole depth of what Christ did in one short story. So I want to read to you out of Luke's gospel, chapter 24. If you have your Bibles, you can follow. If not, the scriptures will be on the screen on the walls, or you can just close your eyes and listen to this amazing story that Dr. Luke recorded the last chapter in Luke's gospel, beginning with verse one. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all of the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. And that very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and the word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened up the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they had seen a spirit. 
And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for his spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that this Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. So, Father, I pray once again now that you, even as you open up the disciples' eyes, that they would be able to see. I pray today that you would open up the eyes of everyone in this place, those who are watching online today, Father, that you would help us to see clearly the the magnitude of the beauty of the resurrected Christ and all that was prophesied in the Old Covenant, how it came to pass in the fulfillment of Christ Jesus when he went to the cross, when he went to the grave, and when he came out of that grave on the third day. And now, Father, that he is still about the Father's business, causing us and challenging us to go into all the world and to seek and to save those who are lost because, Father, you love hurting lost people. Help us today to once again understand the bigness of what Easter is all about. I give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Easter is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know so many people, when you ask them what Easter is, the first thing they're going to tell you, it's about Good Friday. It's about the cross. It's about what Jesus uh, went on the cross to do. And the truth of the matter is, that is truth. But all that the Father was going to do for the salvation of mankind was completed, but not at the cross. It was completed at the resurrection. You see, if Jesus would have just died, as I said a few moments ago, what would have marked him differently than any other of the other self-proclaimed gods? Not one thing, but the fact that he did not stay in that grave and the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now, hear me, lives in us. The power of that is beyond what most of us can ever comprehend or understand on this earth. That's why we need Jesus to open up our eyes, fill us with his presence, fill us with his Holy Spirit, fill us with his power, because without the Holy Spirit, we'll never see the fullness of everything Jesus wants to do on the earth. He did not come just to save us. came through salvation to redeem us so that we could fulfill our purposes and plans that the Father has on the earth today. You see, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, but you and I, we're right here. Got a task, got a job, got a purpose, got a reason to be living. From the oldest in here to the youngest in here, every one of us, this is what Jesus said, and I just read it to you. He said, be a witness 
on the earth. See, there's two kinds of people in this room today. Those that have already come to the realization, man, without God, I am hopeless. I am helpless. I cannot save myself. I did everything I I could to fulfill the emptiness and the void inside of me. I filled myself with alcohol, with booze, with drugs, with with, with sexual uh, uh, misconduct. I did everything I could to fill the emptiness, but the emptiness remained inside. And so Jesus came knocking at your heart's door, and you opened up your heart, and Jesus Christ came in. And he loved you. He forgave you. He redeemed you. He cleansed you. He healed you. And all of your sin is now a part of your past. It's not a part of your future. Your destiny is not in what you were. Your destiny is in who you belong. And that is you belong to Jesus Christ. And the others in this room are watching online are those of you that are on a journey and yet have come to that place where you surrendered completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Maybe today sitting in this place, you're still trying to fill that emptiness. You're still trying to find that thing will, that will complete you. You, you, you. You've tried everything that the world has to offer and you find that every single night when you lay your head on that pillow that there is still an emptiness inside of you. There is still a void inside of you. And I want to tell you today, you do not have to leave without void in your life. You can walk out of here today full of the knowledge that Jesus Christ not only came to redeem you, but that you allowed him to redeem you, that you surrendered everything to Jesus Christ. Now that the choice lies with mankind, you see all that the father did, he's already done. God's not coming back. Jesus is not coming back to the earth today. He's he's done it all. He's laid it out there. He came out of the grave. The resurrection was the completion. Now the choice lies with mankind, or more specifically, it lies with you, and it lies with me. John chapter 11, Jesus said to the woman, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That is, the, that is the hope, the blessed hope, the, the resurrection of what every believer in this room lives for today is that we have the knowledge that all of our loved ones that have gone before us, they're not off just in, in, in death somewhere, but they are a part of the, of the resurrected church. And one day we are going to be together once again for all eternity. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of eternity. Not in this body. Come on, somebody. How many of you say this body is already, I'm only 62 and this body's worn out. I'm looking forward to the day when my spirit gets a new body. And it's going to be just like Jesus said, touch my hands, fill my feet, fill my bones. One day after death. See, if Jesus tarries, every single person in this room will walk through the door of death. For every believer, you don't have to fear death. It's just a door. Open it, close it, walk through it, and all of a sudden, your body goes to the ground. It's going back to the dust from which it came. Your spirit's going to be in the presence of the living God, and one day at the resurrection, man, the spirit and the body are going to come together again, just like when Jesus came up and out of that grave, and God gave him his new body, and that body was amazing. It could eat, hear me, and it could walk through doors. Come on, somebody, aren't you just a little bit excited about that? (laughs) I told you, I think last week or two, a couple weeks ago, we were over at the architect's um, office and we were uh, getting to do a, uh, what do you call that thing we did? A a 3D, what's the other word? What's the other word? Virtual reality. 
We got to see the building that we're about to break ground for in a couple of weeks. And so Tad did it first. I wasn't about to do it because he looked so stupid. I mean, he's up there, got that thing on. He's like, I was like, dude, you don't know. So I started taking video. It's so funny. It's like, y'all better not be taking video of me. But finally, I put that thing on, and all of a sudden, there I was inside of our new church. Wow. And, man, and they said, yeah, you do this with this hand, and you take this, and, and you point, and you go to the door, and, and, and you push the button, and all of a sudden, you're in front of the door. Then you pu- push it through the door, and you push the button, and all of a sudden, you're in the next room. And, and so I was going from the foyer in the coffee shop into the production room, and all of a sudden, I'm about to go in the auditorium, and I push the button, and somehow, I, I got that thing right dead in the middle of the wall, no lie. All of a sudden, I'm standing in the middle of the wall. And, and the architect firm, they had like 18 people in there working. And all of a sudden, I started asking my wife, I started shouting, Woo! This is just like Jesus. I looked to my backside and I could see the building, I, the room I'd just come out. And I looked to the front, I'd see the room I was about to go in. And I'm standing in the wall. And I said, One day I'm going to do that. Amen. One day I'm going to be out and then I'm going to be in. Say, I think you're crazy, Pastor. That's all right. That's what the Word of God says. Jesus wasn't there. Then he was there. Jesus was there talking with them, and all of a sudden, he wasn't there. I'm going to be doing some of that when I get to heaven. I don't know what y'all are going to be doing. I'm going to be ruling and reigning and all kind of other stuff, but I'm going to walk through some walls. And I'm going to remember when I couldn't walk through them. I'm going to remember when I'd slam my nose on a door and go, ouch. But there comes a time when through the supernatural, man, God's going to do something. Listen to this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, He said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. This is a heavy warning. This is one of the most powerful warnings in all of the new covenant. Jesus is saying there is a door and a gate to the Father. And he said the path that leads to destruction It's wide, and it's easy, and most people choose that path. And then he said, there's another path. For the gate is narrow, verse 14, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Does it mean that, does it mean that for me to have salvation, that, that, that it's going to be difficult for me to be saved? No, no, no. You got to understand the difference between walking the walk and coming into the place of salvation. The gift of God, which can only be given as a gift, what Jesus Christ did at the cross, died, went to the grave, came out of the grave, the resurrection, gave himself for you and I. You can only receive his forgiveness, his love, his redemption power by faith. Can't earn it, can't buy it, you don't deserve it. But he gave it. And you receive it by faith through grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus knocks at your heart door. I believe today the Lord is knocking at some of your heart's door. You have a bunch of stuff, but stuff doesn't satisfy. What we're here today is not to offer you religion. You're looking at a pastor that pretty much despises religion. I despise the laws that go with all the heaviness of you got to do this, do this. No, no. All you got to do is die and receive Jesus Christ. 
And in that death comes the resurrection, the power. Next Sunday, we're going to have baptism here. For We had almost a dozen people respond to Jesus in the first service, and we're going to make a place to be baptized because in baptism, you're literally going down with Christ, and you're coming up in the fulfillment of Christ, not because you deserved it, but because he did it for you. But then there comes the walking out of our salvation. Paul said, you got you to walk out your salvation. Yes, it was a free gift. Yes, it was given to you. Uh, but now uh, you, you got to choose Christ. They, Jesus said this way, take up the cross. Hear me. That's not that little thing you bought at Dillard's that you're wearing around your neck. There ain't no, n- n- no difficulty wearing that thing. But, but when you start talking about following Christ, oh, now, now it's where it gets tough. You know why it gets tough? Because all hell is against you and wants you destroyed. But Jesus has already made a way. And so whatever the difficulty, there's a grace to walk the difficult path. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't feel sorry for anyone else. When you see someone walking in faith and it seems like they're walking through a battle, there's a grace to get through the battle. There's a grace to overcome. You see, every person who has ever existed, I said this a moment ago, will live for eternity. Christians, we rejoice because through Christ's sacrifice, we will spend that eternity in heaven. I shared in the first service, over the last eight, nine years, I have have buried my mom, my dad, two of my brothers, my sister, my mother-in-law, and my brother-in-law, not including tons of people in our church family that were just like family to me. The pain of death is real. The sorrow, the agony of when someone you love leaves this world and maybe in your mind way too early now, I can't say that about my dad. He was 99 years and three months old. It's like, Pop, Pop's like, son, I'm ready to go. Would you stop praying that I'm hanging around here? I said, Pop, just a little while longer. And he said, okay, just a little while when he turned 99. I said, Pop, we're going to start playing your 100th. He said, don't worry, I won't be here. I'm like, come on, Pop, it would be pretty cool. He said, I won't be here. He settled that thing. But you know what? In, it, when you experience death, there's a reality to that, is it not? And there's a real sorrow. There's real pain. There's real agony. But you know what? Once you get through the agony of, the, uh, of feeling the loss that someone you loved is no longer going to be with you here today, then all of a sudden what kicks in for every single believer is the hope of the resurrected Christ. Man, we, we are not living just for this day, and we're not living just for this moment. But one day, it, when, when Jesus comes back for his bride, the word says that he's gonna, the trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to be resurrected, and there's going to be a joining together. And all of those that have died and gone before us, and all of those that remain will come together for eternity. You say, well, I don't really believe that. Well, that's between you and God. Because if you don't believe it on this side, you will believe it on the other. You will believe. As we rejoice, though, as Christians, even over the loss of our loved ones, 
knowing that they're no longer in pain, they're no longer in agony, they're no longer suffering, but they are in the presence of the Lord. The word declares that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We believe in that hope of the resurrection. But in the midst of all that, we also still have to remember that Jesus warned us that many people are going to spend eternity in hell. And listen, our responsibility as believers is to do everything we can to help everyone we can come to a place where they have the ability to make a choice, life or death, blessing or curse, heaven or hell. Some folks say, well, you know, I'm just not ready to make that decision. One day after I've sown all my wild oats, hold hold it, you don't have the promise of tomorrow. Are you really seriously going to bank your eternity on 10 years from now, 50 years from now, whenever you think? Hear me, if Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart today, today is a day of salvation. Today is the hope. Today is the promise. Paul wrote that we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. And to the other, a fragrance from life to life. I said this morning in first service, I was joking about the, the, the thing that we have going on pretty healthy here at the Rock of Gainesville. And that is, we have a lot of marriages and we have a lot of babies. And, and, and your pastor... He loves babies. Now, I'm glad that we have 10 grandchildren and it's over. It's done. We're through that stage. Now, I'm going to have to be kissing on other people's babies. But, but the reality is I love babies. You know why? Man, there's something about the breath of life on a baby. Come on, somebody. Right here on that little baby's neck. Oh, my goodness. There, there's some good life right there. There's some good loving right there. And right here on the cheek, oh, there's nothing hardly any better than that except right up here on the soft part of their little head. Their little hair's been all cleaned and scrubbed, and they got that new baby smell. Come on, somebody. And can you believe it? A few weeks ago, one of the young ladies in our church, she was born in this church. I kissed her when she was born. I kissed her on the cheek and on the neck, and I kissed her on the top of the head, and all of a sudden now, she had her own baby. And I was so excited, went to the hospital, can't wait, going to get to hold me another baby. And, and she says, Pastor, don't kiss my baby. <laughs> what? What do you mean, don't kiss my... Well, well Pastor, the baby hadn't had its shots yet. <laughs> and, I thought, I thought the girl was, was kidding with me. And I'm not going to uncover Chelsea Sapp. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to tell who that was. And, and I, said, I said, Chelsea girl, I kissed you, and look, you turned out all right. She said, Pastor, it's, it's my first baby. I said, all right, you know, I'm going to honor you for a few weeks. I mean, it is your baby and everything. I'm going to honor you. But there came a time a few weeks later when somebody else had her baby and she wasn't around. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead and tell her. I already told her, man. I got, I got double kisses. I got one on both sides, both cheeks, both tops of the head. I was kissing her. And, and, and her mama came up this morning after first. So she said, I can't believe you threw my daughter under the, under the bus like that. And I said, well, why not? She said, Pastor, she told you not to kiss the baby on the lips. I said, no, she didn't. I said, she told me not to kiss the baby. In between services, she came up with, with the baby. Here! <laughs> Kiss my baby. I, I said, I've already kissed that baby already, even this morning. Don't you love the fragrance of life, though? But isn't it different than the fragrance of death? But they're both real. One's life, 
The other one's death. I want to I wrap up everything I want to say this morning out of this scripture, Mark chapter 8, verse 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? You see, the battle you face in your life boils down to this simple truth. Who do you give your heart and soul to? Who do you give your heart and soul to? Possessions and praise? Stuff? Money? Land? Houses? Cars? Businesses? Fame? Vacations of every sort? Feel good? Popularity? Stuff. It's just all stuff. And think about this. If you have a choice between the worth of Jesus, all that he did for you on the cross so that you could be saved, so that you could know the Father, and his plans for your life. You have the choice. You have Jesus and all that he's already done so that you could have life. Or you have possessions. What you have now, what you want, what you're willing to give your soul for. And suppose your heart is drawn to prefer possessions over Jesus Christ. You, 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 you've looked at it, you've listened, you've heard. You have Jesus here, and over here you have you and everything you want for the rest of your life. Everything that drives you. Everything that you work hard for, your possessions. And suppose your heart is drawn to prefer possessions and you turn away from Jesus. And you embrace as superior to Christ all the earthly possessions that you can get. That you're willing to work for. You're willing to go out there and give it all you got. And listen to this, suppose that you succeed in your life. Nothing, nothing but success. No failures, no bankruptcies, no divorces. By the end of your life, suppose you own everything, the whole world. Hear me, I mean, you own it all. Not just Apple, not just Google, not just Amazon. You own it all. I mean, you are the most wealthy person in the history of the whole world. You got it all. It's yours. You call all the shots. You own everything. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You gain the whole world and then you die. You die. Your body doesn't just go to the ground. But now you find yourself standing before Jesus Christ, the one who died for you. And you realize that all that you have is nothing. It was indeed spiritual, eternal suicide. You own it all. You were named for the one who had it all. Now you face Jesus. In all of his glory, 
and you look at what you have and what you've possessed, and you say to Christ, I'll give you everything. I will give it all to you. You see, Jesus, I own it all. I will give you everything, the whole world, in return for my soul. I worked hard to get it all, but Jesus, I'm willing now at death because I realize it has no eternal value. What do you think Jesus would say? I think he would say this. You would try to buy your soul with the very possessions that destroyed your soul. The very possessions that you preferred over me. Christ replacing, Christ belittling idols have no currency in heaven. They have no value. You own it all, you own nothing. And he will turn his face away and you will perish forever. You see, what you tried to do with your money, that ransom, it's already been paid. The ransom is already paid and you preferred not to be a part of it. You see, you chose you and stuff over Christ. You see, Easter, is not about dressing up and just going to a church on a Sunday once a year and celebrating with the rest of the world. It's literally about a choice. Jesus has laid it out. He's done it all. He's accomplished everything he's going to do. And he says, now, it's life or death. It's me or it's you. It's everything that I have or it's everything that you have. What are you willing to stake your eternal existence on what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul can I tell you this morning Jesus loves you so much does he want you not to have anything no Jesus is the giver of gifts he, he loves that we are blessed of the father but, but those blessings and those gifts if we get them all out of whack we begin to think it's all about us when it's all about him is there anything worth losing your soul over is there anything that you could possess today is there anything out there anything at all that the world has that you think has enough value that you would trade your soul for eternity. You see, I just named a few people in my own family that have died. Some died in my judgment way too early. My sister Cheryl was 65. Suzanne's brother was 65. My brother Buddy was 64. My, my older brother Richard was 72. There is nothing that those that I love so dearly would ever exchange in this world for what they have today. There's nothing that this world has, and yet the very tug on your lives today, the very, the very, the very difficult decision that many of you need to make today is are you willing and ready to re receive the goodness of God's love in your life and his forgiveness to cleanse you from all sin that you've ever committed and receive the fullness of his glory and live a life abundantly here on the earth that he wants you to live are you willing to say no I, I, I gotta do my thing first there's nothing that your thing can do 
that will ever be worth the loss of your soul. Would you close your eyes and bow your head for just a moment? And hear me one more time as I tell you that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to stay on that cross and shed every drop of blood in his body so that you could be forgiven in 2019 so you could invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. So in 2019, you could make a decision that says, man, I have come to the reality of the moment. And the reality of the moment requires me to choose Christ or to choose me. To choose everything that Jesus did or to choose what I possess. Because really when it all boils down to it, that is it. Everything that Jesus could do, he did. Today he's at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for you. There are some in this room today. There are some dads in this room today that your families are waiting for you to make a decision to put Jesus first in your life. It doesn't mean that you stop being the daddy that you are and, and blessing and serving and working and doing and, and, and living a, 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 an amazing life that the Lord wants you to live. It's just that you are going to surrender your life and realize that only he can save you. And he wants to save you. You see, Jesus has done all that he can do. Now he's waiting for you to do what he cannot do. He died on the cross for you, but you have to choose him. He'll not force you. You'll meet him today as Savior, or one day you'll meet him as judge. Today he's here as Savior, and he loves you. With every head bowed and your eyes are closed because we're just wanting to quiet ourselves before the Father right now. And believers across this congregation are praying. Those of you that are watching online, I will not be able to see you respond or lift your, your hand. But know this today. God knows right where you are, who you are. And he loves you just like he loves those that are in this room. But this morning, there, there, there's a time for a decision. And I believe that today... Today is the day for you to choose Jesus and the Father's kingdom. That you get off of that big, fat, easy path of life and you choose Christ and all that he has for you. But it requires a choice. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to lift up your hands and let me recognize your hands so that I can lead you in a simple prayer because in a, in a moment's time, in a simple prayer of confession of faith, the word declares that if you will confess Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart that he is indeed the son of God, confess it with your mouth, you will be saved. And salvation's not the end, it's just the beginning of a life that he wants you to live complete in him. So believers are praying, and now it's that moment, that time of decision. Today, God so desperately wants you to respond, lift up your hand, and invite him to be Lord of your life. And if you are willing right now, would you do that? Every head's bowed. This is just between you, me, and the Lord. Would you lift up your hand? Yes, God bless you, dear. 
There, there, there is a moment of decision. Yes, dear, God bless you. You can put it down. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Once I see it, you can put it down. But there, there, is, there is a moment right here, right now, when then, yes, dear, God bless you. Thank you so much. Yes, God bless you, son. Thank you. Jesus loves you. And as much as he's done everything for you, he cannot do this. This is your choice. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to say, I'm, I'm going all in. Yes, sir, God bless you. Yes, dear, God bless you. Thank you so much. God loves you so much. There are a few others I know today. Man, I know your chest is pounding, your knees are knocking, you're sitting there going, what's somebody going to think of me? doesn't matter what anybody thinks. What matters is, what does Jesus think? He loves you. He wasn't ashamed to die for you. Are you not ashamed to put him first in your life? Let me pray for you today. Make that decision. It's your moment. It's your time. One last time before I lead these precious people in a prayer. If that's you, you're battling, you're ready. This is your moment. I know it's tough. Just lift up that hand and say, Jesus, I'm going all in for you. I'm going all in today. Yes, sir, God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna pray. Every head bowed. We're gonna pray a very thoughtful prayer. We're inviting Jesus right now. This is what we're doing. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you wanna pray this prayer, pray it out loud. Another time you can raise your hand or you can come to the front after and tell me, but pray this prayer in faith because right now this prayer is gonna set you on the path of salvation. Pray this. Father God, I come in the name of your son Jesus, thanking you, Father, that you love me before I was formed in my mother's womb. You knew me. And in my mother's womb, you called me. You named me. You had a purpose for my life. You had a plan for my existence. And today, today, Jesus, I'm choosing you. I need you to be my Savior. So I ask you to forgive me. I repent of all of my sins, all of the, of the stuff in my life, the running from you, the rejection of you. Today, I'm no longer rejecting. And today, I'm no longer running. Today, I choose Christ. Jesus, be my Lord. Be my Savior. As of this day, I'm giving you my all. I'm all in for you, Christ. Not only on this earth, but for all eternity. So, Father, thank you for loving me first. Thank you for giving me Jesus and for giving me the Holy Spirit. Today, I give back to you my life. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand for these this morning. We bless you. We honor you. We rejoice over you. Thank you for listening to this message from The Rock of Gainesville. For more information about our church, visit www.therockonline.org.